Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. We're going to continue in this message series that uh, Ken Brown got us started on last week called Lessons from the Trail, uh, the Gospel in Daily Life. And I should just mention how this series came about. My son Stuart and I were on a hike um, a couple months ago, and uh, as we were traveling, as we were walking along, uh, there was a pebble in my shoe, and it was really bugging me, but I didn't want to stop and take it out. And he said, you should take the, you should take the pebble out of your shoe. And, uh, and I said, you know, that sounds like a wise proverb. And then that, he said, yeah, that could be a message title. And I said, you know, we could do a whole series around this. So we kind of brainstormed out a, a sermon series and that's what we're getting this summer. So you can thank my son Stuart for that. Um, and so today, uh, next week, we're actually going to talk about take the pebble out of your shoe. But today we're going to talk about keep your eyes on the trail. Eyes on the trail as we talk about lessons from uh, the trail. It may not be a surprise to you that I'm a bit of a clumsy hiker. Uh, if there is a rock or a root in the trail, I am liable to find it with my foot and, and trip. I have stubbed my toe many times uh, when we've been on, on trails. I'm also a distracted hiker. I like looking around, just seeing what's going on. I'm always watching for some wildlife. I mean, the best thing is if you get to see a bear, Ken, like you guys saw on your walk. Um, I know some of you think, I don't want to see a bear. I want to see a bear as close as possible without it eating me. That's, that's the, that's the line, right? And uh, so I've been known to sort of stumble off the trail because I'm looking around and not paying attention. And, uh, you know, there's a simple life principle in that, that to safely reach your destination, you need to look where you're going. You need to watch where you're going. In fact, you almost always go where you're looking. You'll end up going where you're looking. That's why it's so important that we're paying attention to, to how we're investing our, our lives and what we're giving our attention to. Because what you give your attention to is where you're going to end up. Just think about that a little bit. Now, not all trails uh, out there are well marked. And, and sometimes if you're wandering through, let's say traveling through a meadow or you're, you're crossing a, you know, a shale slope or a boulder area, it can actually be a little bit tricky to figure out where's the trail, where's the path. You can get off, off balance. There's, um, around San Luis Obispo, uh, I think it's called Bishop Peak. I hiked that one by myself uh, last year and, and there were so many halfly traveled paths and trails. I, you know, I'm pretty sure I was in the wrong spot when I had to climb through a barbed wire fence to carry on this very important trail. But I, I did it. But I was bushwhacking. I, I, my eyes were not on the trail. I was just kind of looking around. And, and it happens. And, and you'll, you'll find that good trails are marked. They've got tags. They've maybe got on the trees or they've got stone cairns to kind of mark your way. Good trails are marked and they keep you safely on the path. Now, the Christian life is a well-marked trail. It's a well-marked trail. It's not always an easy path. It's not always well-traveled, but it's well-marked. And if you're going to keep your, uh, if you're going to successfully do this, you need to keep your eyes 
on the trail or you're liable to wander off in, in some, you know, wrong direction. The best marker for the trail is this. God's Word, the Bible, His Holy Word. That's His trail marker, uh, for us. Psalm 119, one of, verse 105, uh, maybe memorize this somewhere in your life if you've, if you've been in church a long time. Uh, it says it this way. Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Some of you are thinking about an old song. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I might have that backwards, but you, you know what I mean. It's God's word is the light for our feet and our path. Uh, when I was 18, I was on an extended missions trip in, in China. And this is, of course, um, before China's spectacular modernization. And um, in our in our group, um, our group leader was this... Um, 27-year-old recovered stoner, I'll just call it what it was, and he thought it'd be a great idea for our group as a team-building exercise to go on a night hike. We're in rural China, there is no trail, and it's, it's dark. Now, the sky was ablaze with stars like I've never seen since. Again, no light pollution at that time, it was spectacular. But stars aren't really that helpful on the path. You need, you need a lamp on your path. You need a light on your path. And this team building exercises didn't actually build a lot of team goodwill as we only had a couple of flashlights between the eight or nine of us and we're picking our way through unknown areas. I remember crossing through rice paddies and up a slope and finally ending up in uh, some kind of ancient graveyard, which in any culture and language at night, it's spooky. Let me just tell you right now. And it, it was, it was not, it was not ideal for sure. Um, we needed a light for our feet. We needed a lamp for our path. And the Christian life is a path. Our trail marker by day and our flashlight by night is this, uh, the pages of God's word. And, and your best direction is here. If, if you'll trust it, if you'll love it, if you'll read it, if you'll believe it, if you'll obey it, it's all there for you. And as an example, we're going to look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. If you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to find that. Um, the very last chapter of the Gospel of Luke. If you're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Uh, and this reveals a remarkable episode of two disciples, two of Jesus' disciples, two of his followers, on the day of his resurrection, uh, when they unknowingly encountered Jesus while on the road from Jerusalem to a little village called Emmaus. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. And because it's quite a long passage, I'll invite you to remain seated uh, for this, but may make a couple of comments along the way. Luke chapter 24, picking up at verse 13, it says this, that same day, in other words, this Sunday morning, the day of Jesus' resurrection, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, let me pause there for a second. We actually don't know where Emmaus is today. There's three or possibly four sites that are considered candidates for this, this town. There was some solid archaeology done in 20, summer of 2019 that they think they've pinpointed the most likely site. It's almost exactly seven miles out of Jerusalem uh, by the, the town of what would have been Kiriath Jerem. So it would have maybe an outlying village um, from that, but we don't, we don't know for sure. But in um, one of those spots, the Crusaders did build a big 
cathedral, so it must be true, right? Anyway, Um, picking up at verse 14, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened uh, as they and as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, what were you what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces, and then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. If you ever wonder if Jesus has a sense of humor, (laughs) right there. Oh, tell me, I have no idea. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did mighty miracles. And he was a, a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Verse 22. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women said. Jesus said to them, verse 25, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the Scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if they were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. That sounds familiar, right? Verse 31, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Gone. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. So seven miles, let's say roughly a two hour walk. It's very doable. And there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them uh, and who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Let's pause there. Well... I wonder if Cleopas and his companion were embarrassed to not have recognized Jesus. Verse 16 tells us that actually it was God that kept them from from recognizing the Lord. But there are some other clues, and I think a really important clue in this conversation. For example, in verse 14, as they walked along, it says, They were talking about they were talking with each other about everything that happened. They were talking about things that had happened. They were talking about events surrounding Jesus, but they were not really discussing Jesus. There's no indication that they were talking about Jesus or about what Jesus had said, what he had foretold. What, what, they weren't discussing the scriptures and what the scriptures had said about him. They were just talking about events. They're just discussing the news. They were, they were just passing on kind of, well, I heard this and I heard that. Talk is cheap. 
we can talk about what's going on. We can talk about events. We can go, even go to a, a Bible study and, and talk about the Bible. But is our conversation getting us to Jesus? Is it going to Jesus and discussing Jesus? I, I think, I, I feel like it's a picture of the times that we live in. There's so many voices around us, convincing voices, powerful voices, uh, some with that, you know, kernels of, of truth in them, but revising history and, and even mocking God's word and ignoring truth and facts and completely missing scripture and missing Jesus in scripture. Some are trying to make our trail, right? Following Jesus more attractive. To, to outsiders. Whole churches are, are sometimes even wandering off the truth of God's word because they're trying to make it fit with a cultural interpretation of Jesus. They're talking about things that have happened, but they're not discussing Jesus. They're not encountering Jesus. And here's a question I have for you. And if you're taking notes today, you might want to write this down. Do I make the trail fit me or do I make myself fit for the trail? Do I make the trail fit to me? Or do I make myself fit for the trail? In some of our national parks, the Park Service has done just a great job of making some of the most popular trails really accessible. It's, it's honestly, it's wonderful. If you go to Grant Grove or if you go to the Sherman Tree, for example, uh, you're going you're gonna to have a nice paved path if you're in a motorized wheelchair even, you could see the whole thing. It's honestly, I love it. It's really, really great. But if they did that for every hike and every trail, just go into bulldozers and paving machines and just plow through the mountains and knock down some more sequoias, like we would say, uh, guys, um, missing the point here, right? It would kind of ruin the experience in, in so many ways. But sometimes there's a temptation for, for folks to, to do exactly that with the truth of God's Word. To, to, to push down the hard things to, to make it super easy and accessible. Some of what the Bible calls us to is uncomfortable and it's unpopular and it's inconvenient and it's certainly countercultural. It tells me to love my neighbor but also to love my enemy. And then it also calls me to live a holy life, a life unlike those people, my neighbors and my enemies. How do I do that? There's a temptation to abandon truth because it doesn't fit with, with, with what the culture demands or what I feel like I want to hear. So sin gets minimized or accommodated or sometimes even celebrated. That's just wrong. So the question is always, am I trying to make the trail fit my life or am I making myself fit for the trail? For example, if you ever walked, done a hike and there's kind of a steep slope with switchbacks back and forth, um, there's an amazing trail. Anybody done the Bub Creek Trail? You, you've done that, haven't you, Carrie Sue? Out at Rhodes End and um, Kings Canyon Park. It's just, it's like this. And so you just back and forth, back and forth for a long, long time. And what you'll sometimes see in those switchback places is hikers have tried to take a shortcut, either going up or coming down, uh, by cutting the trail. Instead of doing the switchback, just try to go straight up. John, you've seen that, right? And and what what that does is it... Da- <laughs> you might have done that. Um, John's got long legs, so it'll be no problem. He can just go, 
right? Uh, and animals can do it. Becky and I were doing that trail, and this deer just came down the hill right in front of us. It was amazing. Uh, but, but what it does is it damages the trail, and it damages the habitat. And it's potentially dangerous. I remember as a teen doing that one time, darting off a trail for a shortcut to slip in some shale and gash my leg open. It was a bloody mess. And, you know, at that age, scars are cool. But um, today, it would take me weeks to recover. But uh, listen, you do not need to apologize. That's that's what's happening when we when we try to make the trail easy, when we try to make the, the trail fit us. We, we get into dangerous situations. We, we damage the trail. We damage the habitat. We, we mislead others in the process. You don't need to apologize ever for the truth of God's word. You don't need to shield people from it. Let the Holy Spirit speak the truth of scripture. Even as, even as we love the outsider and the stranger and the sinner, just as you and I were outsiders and strangers and sinners to the goodness of God. Don't modify the trail to fit what's popular. Instead, make yourself fit for the trail. And no, I'm not talking about a salvation by works. I'm not talking about earning your salvation. We're saved only by God's grace. We've said that over and over. But to follow Jesus means to submit to his lordship, his leadership in my life. And that requires action. That requires, that's the doing part. A person who says, I believe in Jesus but refuses to submit to God's way is not actually a believer in Jesus. They're an admirer of Jesus. They're, they might respect Jesus, but they're not following Jesus. So just because someone talks like a Christian does not make them a follower of Christ. We need to fit our lives to the trail and resist the urge to fit the trail to our lives. Now, if Scripture is a trail marker and a light for our feet, it's because of this. Here's another one. You can write this down. The Bible points us to Jesus. The Bible points us to Jesus. Look with me at verse 27. It says this, Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The things concerning himself. And then verse 32, as they follow up with the reflecting on this, verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn? Within us, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures. Wait, he's taking them through the Old Testament? That hard to read part of the Bible? Yeah, they didn't have the New Testament yet. This is the day of Jesus' resurrection. The whole thing hasn't been written. And when the Bible says the scriptures, it's always what we would call Old Testament. The Jewish Bible, the Jewish scriptures. And, and they're doing this while they're walking on the road. They're not rolling out scrolls. They don't have no Bible apps on their un, uninvented smartphones yet. They're doing this from memory. And Jesus is able to say, you know how in Isaiah it says this? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's about me. You know how in the Psalms it says this? Yeah. Well, that's about... Well, he didn't say me. He said that's about Christ because he hadn't revealed, of course, that it was him yet. Right? So the creation and the fall and the law and history and wisdom literature and the prophets, it all points to Jesus. No, it doesn't name names specifically, directly, but it always points to the promise and fulfillment of a Savior. And it does it over and over again. For example, let me give you a, verb, a verse from Proverbs. I read this this week and you will, if you're in the R&R journal, you would have read this. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. Now, how does that speak of Jesus? What? Anybody want to venture a guess? How does this speak of Jesus? 
Crystal, you've got a good outside voice. I bet you might have a thought on this. So the only way that sin is yes. Yeah. So through, in case you didn't hear that, it's only sin is only atoned for through a sacrifice and an act of faithfulness. I would say it this way. Part one of that verse is what Jesus does. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Part two of that verse is what I do. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. Old Testament speaking about Jesus. Now, interesting, it's a promise that sin can be atoned for. You'd think it might say, you know, through the unblemished sin offering of blood of a lamb, sin is atoned for. That's not what it says. It says through love and faithfulness. How can love and faithfulness atone for sin? That doesn't make sense in their context, in their in their worldview, in their religious practice. How could love and faithfulness atone for that? Well, John, the, the gospel writer, John chapter 1, verse 14, says Jesus, of Jesus, the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Speaks of Jesus. John was making the connection or through grace and truth or just the same words. So as you read the Bible with an eye on Jesus, you're going to see again and again and again that the boy, the Bible points you to, to Christ. As we read in Psalm 119, 105, the, 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 the Bible, right? God's word is a lamp to guide our feet and a light for our path. But there is a catch to all of this. And the catch is this. Not everyone's going to see Jesus revealed in Scripture. Not everyone's going to see the goodness of God revealed in His Word. It takes faith. But listen, the Bible will speak if you'll believe. The Bible will speak if you'll believe. Jesus said to the, the two on the road to Emmaus, verse 25, You foolish people! You find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Let's put that one on the screen. The Bible will speak if you believe. You find it so hard to believe, Jesus said to them, what the prophets wrote. You know, you're surrounded every day of your life by by people who will tell you the Bible is just a, a book. It's a myth. It's it's a fairy tale. It's full of error. It's just written by people, right? But the Bible is the best attested to and verified ancient document. The very best of human history. It's been faithfully translated into more languages than any of the book. It's been read consistently by more people and in more places over more time than any other book. And countless people will verify for you it's true. It witnesses to my life. The Bible, as I often tell you, it's not a book, it's a library. There's 66 books in this library. Written by some 40 different authors over a period of approximately 1,500 years. Written in different languages and in different places. And yet it all hangs together as a cohesive uh, message from beginning to end. How is that possible? How is that possible? Nobody could engineer that. It's inspired. It's God-breathed. It's without fault. It's completely authoritative for our life. Is it all, is all of it easy to understand? No. No. There's some very challenging parts in it. There's some very mysterious elements to it. There's some confusing things in here. 
There are possibly even some errors that are made as it's translated from one language to another. I think those are pretty minimal, but occasionally it can happen. But this book, this book changed the world. I'm reading a really cool book right now called um, George Washington's Secret Six. I was telling some of these guys about it, how George Washington knew he couldn't beat the British. So he had to outspy the British and he kind of, you know, and these are, these are people who trusted the Lord and, and followed God and, and, um, and, uh, but in the book it describes what a terrible place some of our cities were even then in the late 1700s. What New York was like was just a filthy place. It was, it was the stinkiest place they said on earth. It was just full of crime. There was, there was violent crime happening all the time. But it was also coincided with a kind of the culmination of, of God's great awakenings, of the, the great awakenings that there was a spiritual renewal and spiritual revival that happened in this land. As people took the book seriously, the whole society changed. This book is responsible for the, the founding of the only good and free societies in the world. Anyway, that's a sidebar. We'll do that some other time. Let's finish uh, by going back to our trail metaphor. And Chrissy, why don't you and the worship team come um, join me on the platform here. When a hiker approaches an unfamiliar trail, they research. They do research, right? At the very least, they look over a map or download the map from alltrails.com to their phone. They need to know what they're getting into. How long's the how long's the hike? <laughs> Some of you don't bother. <laughs> Right? What's the elevation climb? Is it an open sun or is it partly shaded? Is there going to be any water? Is there a view? Will it be worth it? Right? Those kind of questions. Are there toilets anywhere along the trail? Right? I, what I wrote in my not, notes, and sorry, Randy and Mary, I said, only the dumb ones strike out with no prep. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that specifically, but, you know, but if you'll trust the map and you'll trust the resources, you're going to do fine. Because you're going to learn to pace yourself. Say, wow, a, a three-mile hike's no problem for me. Or like, wow, a 17-miler, I'm not ready for that. Or I'm going to have to overnight that one. Or what? You plan accordingly. Here's my question for you. Do you trust God's Word? Do you trust this book? Do you trust the Scripture? It will speak to you if you'll believe it. Don't be like those so-called Christians who just play cut and paste with the Bible. It's not a salad bar where you just pick the parts you like and, and avoid the things you don't want. Some of it's hard to swallow. Other parts are sweet like honey. But it's all good food for the soul. It's the lamp to your feet, the light for your path. The Bible will speak, but you have to trust it. You have to believe it. It's going to point you to Jesus and it's going to point you to your need for Him and it's going to show you how to turn from your own ways and trust Him. Don't plow the trail to just fit how you want it to be. Fit your life to the trail of God's Word. If you don't know Jesus, that's a starting place. Say, Jesus, I want to give my life to You. I want to follow You all my days. I recognize I'm a sinner. I need I need saving. He, he comes in. He promises to make you a new creation from the inside out. A fresh start. Doesn't make your life easy. 
doesn't make it trouble-free or pain-free. Most of you could attest to that. But He's there. Gives you a new life. And a promise for eternal life. And the life to come. Let's, would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for Your Word. Just that precious and powerful Word that it is to us. I thank You for preserving this for us as a, as a guide for life and godliness. You speak to us. You show us the, the path. You mark it well. And God, for those places that are steep and hard to climb, God, would You give us courage and persistence. Lord, don't let us be afraid to invite others along the trail with us. Lord, don't let us fall into the trap of, of, of just plowing away the hard stuff just to, to make it easy pickings, Lord. We want to we wanna follow the trail as You've instructed us to do it, even when it's not popular, even when it's hard. Lord, we thank You for the good reward that's to come for all who will trust in You. We give You our praise. For listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.